Welcome to the Vance Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Nick. And hopefully we timed that right. Because it gave me a delay. It's your last day of being young. It is. That's right. By the time this comes out, you'll be old. <laughs> so it's like s- me. <laughs> I've been so busy, I forgot. Yeah, the, you forgot that tomorrow's <laughs> your birthday? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, happy birthday ahead of time. I'm glad one of us could remind you. I'm glad you. you're yeah. around to remind yeah, me. Yeah, that's I my job. literally yeah. forgot about that until you told me right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it, you know what? You should take the weekend off. Uh, relax. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll try sleeping for a change. Yeah, you should do that. You should do that. <laughs> I shouldn't be the one reminding you of those things. <laughs> so, yes. Thanks for just having one so I can remember mine. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> the only reason I remember mine is because yours. Yeah. So, oh. All right. Well, now that we've got my age out of the way, <laughs> just apparently showing. I didn't th- I'm sorry, dude. I said that not knowing it was going to shock you. So, sorry. I just forgot until yeah. I forgot what day it was. Like, yeah. I was saying it was this week, but it was yeah. just, yeah. Anyway, um, that's not our car to road. I'm group tip of the week to remember your birthday. <laughs> Yes. Take your meds. Yep. <laughs> no, I actually, this came from an, uh, a longtime listener who said, who just discovered that this is going to sound really simple to anybody who's in worked on cars ever in their entire life is going to go, well, yeah, duh. But that's not a lot of our audience. So keep that in mind. And if you're brand new at this, you probably may have never known this. Got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere. If you do your own wrenching, one of the first things you will probably do is change your oil because it's like, oh, hey, I can do that at home. And if you've got an older car, a lot of people just go to the dealer now. I don't blame them. Don't get me wrong. But if you've got an older car, it's just something you do at home, right? Yeah. Well, what do you use to clean up oil when you spill it all over yourself the first time you inevitably do that? Not yourself, but the floor. The, the drip pan that you looked at in Chuck's, but you forgot to get or the uh, the rags or the uh, the kitty litter or. Yeah, there you go. Yep. It's that's what's what one weird thing in your shop that everybody should have. That's kitty litter. You can buy oil absorber. You can. Uh, which is basically the same thing. It really is, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get oil-absorbing rags to put down. You can, um, they're pads, actually. You can put around the bottom of your car, which actually are great, or just get a giant oil tin. I'm familiar with them. Remember, I own a British car, so I, <laughs> there's multiple things under my car. Right. So, yeah. But when she reached out to me, she goes, I had no idea. Cause she'd never worked on a car before. Sure. And she said, you know, her neighbor was helping her and said, hey, did you have any kitty litter? Because they spilled just a little bit of oil on the driveway. So she was like, what? I don't have a cat. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 for I the like oil. Yeah. She's like, oh, that's a great yeah. idea. I said, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to use that because not everybody has done this their whole life. And there's nothing wrong with that. I learned something this week, Not, like, but I was speaking to somebody in my complex who changed their own oil, not here. Um, <laughs> and they had put the new oil filter on and they, you know, uh, whoever put the filter, gave them the filter, uh, shrink wrapped it. Uh-huh. And they put it on there with the shrink, shrink wrap, wrap on, and then they were wondering their oil, uh, their engine. They saved it, but um, apparently that's a thing that has happened. So, Ooh, yeah, there so. was a thread on Avance this yeah. week about looking at um, satellite images of oil change places to see the trails <laughs> of oil in the oh. circle from exiting the oil place going back uh, into right it. Back in, yeah, yeah. And they're like, which one has the worst? Everybody who was zooming in on oil changes from Google Earth, <laughs> looking at the oil trails. We got to ask Sean about that. His places wouldn't do that, but I've got to ask him if that's a thing. So, yeah, Sean, yeah. the gatekeeper at yeah. uh, Exotics at Redmond Town Center, he <laughs> runs several oil change facilities, and yeah, that's yeah. A- yeah, I've. <laughs> yeah, I know what I'm doing when I'm bored next time. Google Maps, here I come. Yeah. <laughs> well, this week we have a pretty exciting guest, uh, one that you guys are going to be real happy about. He has an upcoming article in the next. Carl device. will not shut up. About no, it. Carl like, is very excited okay. to have you here. <laughs> like, uh, Steve Bordelotti, uh, the manager of FAF Motorsports. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me and happy early birthday. <laughs> Thanks. See, even he knew it was your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have had quite the exciting season. A big congratulations to you and your team. Uh, you guys had a hard battle uh, in the last few years, and it was really paid off this year. 
Yeah, no, it was uh, it, it was a dream season. I wish uh, I, I almost wish it didn't end. You know, it was one of those things where it flew by in a in a blink, and it was tough. I don't usually get emotional when seasons end, but this year I was like, Ooh, "This is uh, this one's going to be hard to let go of because you don't get uh, you don't get five wins in a season very often." And uh, to cap it off with a championship where you just have to start the last race, it uh, yeah, it certainly was special. Uh, See, so can you kind of give our listeners who may not know what you do what what type of racing you guys do? Yeah, so we uh, we race in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. So it's a endurance racing platform, if you will. So there's different types of cars on track. There's two main different categories. Uh, there's subcategories within each, but there's prototype cars. And then there's the GT classes, which look like cars you would see on the road. Uh, I wouldn't call them everyday cars because a lot of them are extremely high-performance cars. But uh, we race a Porsche 911 GT3R, so it would look similar to a Porsche GT3 RS road car. Um, and we have varying length endurance races over the course of the season. So we do a 24-hour race, a 12-hour race, a 10-hour race, 6-hour race, and an array of 2-hour and 40-minute races with uh, the exception of the Long Beach race where we do 100 minutes, which is quite intense. But yeah, it's a, it's a massive team sport. I mean, we're we're 22 people for, for one car, so it's... Uh, it's not so not so simple once once you boil down everything that's going on over the course of a weekend. And as you can imagine, races that length are certainly quite tiresome. I'd love to see that car on the road. Like, I mean, actually, uh, driving on the road. I think that'd be kind of fun. You'd hear it coming. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, you guys have stay tuned. We love to have some fun. Yeah, yeah. So, I was going to say you guys have one of the best looking cars in the fleet. I mean, across the board in racing, it's extremely recognizable. Even people who don't follow IMSA have probably seen pictures of this car if they're into Porsches at all. And that is the the, the beautiful plaid uh, wrap you guys have on it right now, which I love. The red and black plaid is beautiful. That originally started as a, like it was an homage to an injured driver, right? Yeah, actually it did. So um, in 2018, after Robert Wickens had his accident, um, we were trying to pay homage to the situation with a get well Wickens thing. So we had wrapped the wing on our uh, 2018 uh, car for the final race uh, of the Pirelli World Challenge season. Um, and then the following year, um, our title sponsor at the time, Castrol, wasn't really sure what they wanted to do with delivery. They knew they wanted to change it. Um, we were coming up on deadlines and we went to the Roar with an all red car to test. And at the time it was the Roar is like the official test before uh, a four hour race. So we wrapped the car all red and came back, still didn't have an answer. And Lawrence and I were chatting and we looked around and it was 35 degree days we get in Toronto once in a while. And um, everyone was wearing plaid to just to stay warm. And we thought, how Canadian is this? And we, we kind of wanted to do something. Um, n- nobody likes a flag being thrown in their face. Like I find that incredibly. Uh, um, and then I was like, okay, well, I think plaid is a cool way to pay homage to not just Canada, but just the North in general. It's not a strictly Canadian thing, but if you spend any time in, you know, Northern Wisconsin or upstate New York or Michigan, like it, it's a very common pattern to see on clothing so we thought let's take a shot at it and see see what the reaction is and instant fanfare was incredible and this was our first season in IMSA I thought just fans everywhere like why do these people love us so much it's so weird and then uh, yeah and then it just stuck now I honestly don't think we can get away from it it's become the identity of our team and the plaid Porsche fanfare if you will and it still boggles my mind that we have fans but at uh, the merchandise sales and everything and now it's part of our business plan so now we got to make it work and keep growing and happy accidents you know 
I'm, I already had the title for this episode picked out before we even started recording. Okay. Due to their win, I was going to say it's going to be They've Gone to Plaid. Ah. Oh, so, little yeah, Spaceballs little reference. Spaceballs got it. Got it. There. Okay. Yep. And, yeah, and I thought, that, I thought the Northwest Seattle in particular had the market cornered on Plaid. But I'm glad to hear the Canadians are keeping it yeah. alive and well. I think so. the Canadians gave it to us. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. So they I mean, probably wear it better. It's literally a trickle down, I yeah. think, <laughs> into, into the States. So, yeah. Steve, can you kind of give us a background on how you got into what you're doing as far as, you know, were you, were you, I always start with this question of like, were you the kid at, at home that had a hundred Hot Wheels and Legos and always loved cars? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I, uh, I loved cars growing up. I used to watch racing on TV with my father. Um, Sunday mornings, it was Formula One. Sunday afternoons, it was NASCAR. Anything I could do to watch racing. At the time, there was the channel, which I missed dearly, but there was all types of racing. So I'd get home from school, and instead of watching cartoons or watching, you know, whatever kids watch or The Simpsons or whatever, I was going straight to Speed Vision and watching whatever racing was on TV. So I was hooked. I really wanted to get into go karting. My my parents very educated on the sport to know that probably afford to get me started. They can afford a few years of it, but then it would get to a point where I was at those uh, very informative years and, you know, 15, 16 years old, where they'd have to take that dream away from me and say, hey, look, we can't really afford to do this long-term. So um, we got into radio controlled car racing, actually my father and I, it's quite cool. Um, took that very seriously, uh, probably more serious than most, most would, but it was, there was a lot of competitive clubs around the Toronto area at the time. Um, and that was actually where I met our, our car chief and our chief engineer, Corey Whiteman and Andrew Marangoni. So we kind of all came full circle together. Um, uh, but it was, it was extremely competitive and frankly, it's racing's racing. And I've always felt this way. It doesn't really matter if you can afford to go go-karting as a kid. Great. You know, like, please, by all means do that. But for a lot of the vast majority of people who love the sport and want to get into it, it's not, uh, the barriers to entry from a cost standpoint are, are substantial. So, you know, there's a ride and drive karting, there's forms of karting that are low cost, but then there was also, at least for me, the, the radio controlled car racing was local to where I lived. I learned a lot about chassis setup. Like you can adjust everything we adjust on cars on those. So yeah, I'd, I'd spent a lot of years doing that. And then once I got my driver's license, as you can imagine, in a job, I modifying cars and, going to the track and autocross and then to the, the time attack and stuff with my own car. Um, and then I got a job at FAF where I uh, got a little bit closer to the sport. I volunteered on the race team. And as uh, the gentleman who was uh, Jimmy Vervitas, who was managing the team at the time, um, the business he was running in parallel was our McLaren Toronto store, which we had just opened. And he got too busy to, to continue going racing and they, and Chris Green put my name forward to Chris Faff and said, uh, this is your guy to take it to the next level. Wow. That's how it started. But uh, I mean, I was working on the team volunteering, you know, as a mechanic, clean, doing wheels, tires, whatever needed to be done. Just wanted to be there more than it all kind of came full circle in the end. And I, I have no trouble telling people to clean up or, you know, clean tires or do whatever there's, on the team. I was going to say, there's nothing that no, you haven't done. No yeah. shame in yeah. Yeah. Get the ego out of there. It makes everybody exactly. better. Yeah. 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 I wanted to back up a little bit. I know you did time attack and you did it in one of the worst cars ever <laughs> as far as reliability for time attack <laughs> as someone who used to own a rotary. Yeah. yeah. And brave man, My you were, you went all over with it though. I, I don't want to just gloss over it like it was just something you tried out. You did that for quite a while and you were, pretty good at it but you used a mazda rx8 
<laughs> which is a great chassis. Don't get me wrong for the time, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 honestly, the car was reliable for me. Um, I've never I, heard anybody say that about an RX <laughs> ever. <laughs> well, they're healthiest when they're at the red line. Ah, the there we go. Answer. Okay, yeah. fair yeah. enough. Yeah. If you ask anybody who grew up in my subdivision, they heard it all the time. Um, and I thought that shift beat meant that was when you were supposed to shift. Yeah, sure. Um, but no, I uh, I had so much fun modifying that car. I I enjoyed working on it. To be blunt, I enjoyed working on it more than I did driving it because I I was a good driver. I knew I wasn't special or great. Um, and then I got to the point where you know Corey, of all people, actually I would let him jump in my car to do a few laps, and he'd go the same speed as me. I'm like, all right, well, I'm obviously not very good at this. If someone who, you know, is driving this thing for the first time and doesn't know it is uh, going to go as fast as me, so I, as time went on with with that car, I kind of enjoyed working on it, and modifying it, and I had a vision of building this crazy Time Attack RX8 that could go do. Well, time attack events, but I figured I would just hire a driver or let Corey drive it or somebody because I, I knew I wasn't great to show the car's potential. I was good enough, but I wasn't special. So I uh, bought a, a three-rotor uh, engine at one point, and then someone found out I had the engine, offered me more, a lot more than I paid for it. So I said, okay, well, I'm no rocket scientist, but I'm going to unload that. <laughs> uh, and then I built a per- <laughs> peripheral port uh, two-rotor the car and kind of realized that as time attack was evolving so fast, I'm like, I'm not going to make enough jam with this thing. So um, I ditched that. And then I ended up at the, at the end, put a Honda F20 in the car to go and do time attack, which ultimately never materialized at a Kraftwerk supercharger. And the plan was to, to kind of make a bit more jam at least to, to be competitive. But the, the, the rate time attack was going at that time. It was competitive. If you weren't making, you know, 700, 800 yeah. horse. And I was like, well, that ain't going to happen. Then it can happen here, at least on my budget. So I, uh, the car is actually still racing today here in Canada, which is kind of cool, but not with the F20. The person put a, that's cool. Are you still into modifying cars of your own? No, uh, I will be again. I, I know I'll get back to it. I just, uh, I need to buy a house <laughs> and I need to like do life things. I'm married now. I got to do that. But my, uh, I'm very fortunate. My wife's very supportive. Um, knows how much I miss and, and someday I'll, I'll have a, a special car that I could tinker with in the garage and it might not be a, it'll probably be a time attack car. Let's face it. It'll certainly be track worthy if nothing. Nice. Else. Well, I mean, I, nobody can knock you for that. Like, yeah, once you have your own shop space, it's a lot more fun to work on a car. Yeah. So, and you can leave your stuff everywhere. Yeah, my, my condo yeah. is tough. Yeah. yeah. Are you, are you somewhat self-taught when it, when it comes to, to working on these things? I mean, obviously you learned a lot, you know, working on the, on the, the RC cars and things like that, but, um, is it something that just kind of comes natural to you? Uh, a little bit. I mean, my dad taught me a okay. lot growing up. My dad had, uh, oh, wow. up, so he was always tinkering with that in the garage and it wasn't a real one. It was a, it was a still, replica, but it was, uh, something he, he worked on and, and I, I was always there paying little he says I wasn't paying attention, but I was paying attention. If you ask him. <laughs> but uh, just seeing the way he worked and just how calm he was when he worked on cars, I could almost tell it was like, I hate to say it was therapeutic for him, but it seemed as though it was something he truly enjoyed. You didn't ever see him get mad or throw a wrench or get upset. It was always just something approached with this calmness that I frankly admired. And um, I would say I'm Probably not as calm as him when I'm working on cars, especially when I burn myself. Ooh, okay. Uh, you know, these things happen. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, so um, yeah, it's hard to say. It's it's attention to detail more than anything. And once you have that attention to detail, I, I think the rest takes care of itself. And I'm, 
I do read a lot about if I want to do something better, I just fully immerse myself, whether it's YouTube videos or, or articles I could read or anything to be better at it. I Sure. So regarding, let's go jump back into the exciting stuff, into the racing. Uh, <laughs> tell us, uh, give, give me a few highlights of the season, like for some really personal moments for you that really stood out from this season. I'd love to hear more. Well, um, I mean, we started it off at Daytona, which was this cursed race for us that every year we seem to come home with a wrecked car. So this year, I, I just wanted no drama. I just wanted to get to the finish. Uh, it's a 24-hour race, and I knew that the car count would be, or the number of cars in our class would be more at that race than we would have the rest of the season. So a bad finish, you have one there. It takes you quite a number of races to kind of catch up with the points you lose when you as bad as, you know, six, let's say, in the regular so we, we took a very cautious approach to the race and then 20, I would say about 18 to 20 hours into the race, we were seeing a lot of our, we thought were our biggest competitors dropping out for various issues and Ferrari was quick, but stops or with refueling or um, whatever issues, they seemed to be losing time every pit stop cycle. So we were catching and um, yeah, I, I remember being asked, four hours to go, it was like, we're going to go for this. And I was like, yeah, okay, never mind. The, <laughs> never, you know, your, your inner instincts and racer comes out and you just, you know, it's been 20 hours. You've been up for probably at that point or 30 hours. Um, our strategist and I were seeing every pit stop cycle. We're taking chunks out of the leading Porsche. Uh, the crew in the pits were absolutely on it. And I, I trade those guys for the world. They, they gain us so many spots every time the car comes to pit lane, they don't make mistakes and they have this thankless job that they just, they're so robotic with it. So anyway, we, we took chunks out of them and then it came down to the, the final hour and 45 minutes where uh, there's two Porsches head to head for, uh, for the biggest prize in our form of racing. So Matthew Jaminet was in the car and 30, to go we were still leading and bumper to bumper like there was beating and banging it was it was quite the exciting race and um i remember being at, i can't remember if it was bruno or andrew one of the gentlemen on the stand asked me like should we be thinking big picture here like championship like this is getting kind of rough like car that we were racing wasn't running the full season um uh, for whatever reason, I was like, no way. Like we're, we're winning this race. Like I've, I didn't wear a watch. Like, honestly, I wear one now, but I didn't wear a watch for, since I took this job in motorsport because I wanted to win one. I wanted to win that Rolex 24. Um, little did I find out I don't actually get a watch, but I refuse Boo. to go <laughs> <False> advertising. <laughs> so my <laughs> Apple watch has a, right. But yeah, my, uh, yeah, like why couldn't they give away a 20,000? Right. <laughs> you worked um, hard. Yeah. yeah. To the team manager. Yeah. Like, of course that guy deserves yeah. one. Um, but yeah, so that was super emotional because it came down to literally the last corner, the last lap, um, a crazy pass that, uh, the, had no voice when I got back into Canada. This COVID was still kind of sort of a thing in Canada, the politics. Um, <laughs> yes. So I get back to the uh, Canadian border and um, the border guard was like, you sound like you're sick. I said, no, no, I just lost my voice. Like it was this crazy race. And I was trying to explain to him to finish the race. And he just looks at me like, Thanks. fine, so, anyway. <laughs> worth it. <laughs> We're made for a, a cool, uh, yeah, totally worth it. Yeah. It was made for a great story yeah. too. Um, yeah, so that, that was obviously a exciting race. And I think we made a lot of new fans from that because I still get people to this day that are 
this the car that was in that finish or is this like they just know us from that finish and the videos have like millions of views on youtube which is cool um and then we got to win a race on our home turf in, in canada this year it was the first time that in canada since the pandemic so being able to win our home race was was special i never really thought frankly it would mean so much to me like it did we've had thankfully a lot of great success over the last few seasons won a lot of races but that race was just it was totally totally dominant operating at 110 percent every practice session just getting to win in front of my dad was there like my wife and all these people were there that supported you to help you get there and it was cool to win so um i would say those two races were for sure the highlight and then along the way we had some some great races as well that we won stop or strategy or it's a special season and one i'll never forget but at the same time we have to uh have a short memory in this business and focus towards 2023 because uh i'm sure all we did was motivate our competitors to to beat us if they they saw the season we had yeah well they'll never look as good absolutely yeah (laughs) you look good doing it and just do it yeah uh, you mentioned earlier you guys only run in one car. Is is it is it typical like for to run more than one car? And then you were talking about cars that only run part of the season. Um, is explain that a little bit as far as so because the Daytona race is in January. There's a lot of European and global teams, frankly, that have the opportunity to ship their car to Florida. They get to do a, a very iconic race, but then still ship it back home to wherever. It would normally be, we'll call it Germany or, or Asia or wherever, um, to continue their normal season when it starts, when their summertime rolls around. So uh, we do get a lot of, let's say, guest cars or guest starter vehicles that wouldn't do the entire championship that attend, especially Daytona and sometimes Sebring, but mostly Daytona. Um, so one of the things we have to be weary of with that race and then yeah, we run one car. I mean, for, for me, it, it was a conscious decision. We've had many opportunities to run two cars over the course of the season. It just, uh, I won't do it until I'm ready uh, because usually that car, and in our case, that car would be a, a paying customer. And I want to make sure that when I do pull the trigger on that car, I'm at a point where I don't have an A team and a B team. I want everyone especially if they're paying us based on a reputation that we built with our one car, I want them to get that same experience. And um, I think I'm probably on a short list of people in the paddock that think that way. Um, but again, I'm very fortunate that to have amazing sponsors like, you know, Motul and driveway uh, and you know, FAF automotive, like that can help us do this sport expensive without that need to have that income from a, a second car. So. Keep planning for it, but you know, in due time, I think you'll see us expand to two cars because I think for career progression for people with two cars, it allows them to kind of bounce between the two entries. You know, if there's a, a mechanic who wants to become, let's say, the car chief, which is like the, the head mechanic on the car, I don't want them to feel like they have to leave our team to go get that opportunity elsewhere. I'd love to have a second car so they can bounce back and forth and there's no none of this. Oh, the A team is here, the B team is there. It's like, no, no, this person deserves an opportunity for a promotion, they're going to go to this car because that's their chance. And then they're not leaving our network. And then I think that's at least my vision for how I wish to, to grow our program. You just need to uh, 
Pinnell side. And it's the, it's the hardest part of our sport, as you could probably imagine, like any business. Uh, but I think we're very blessed to have an amazing team of people on the track, driving the car and, and off as well. well. Yeah. And there's different patterns of plaid and colors you could do. I'm just saying. <laughs> You're really stuck on that. I mean, I just think it would it's look amazing. Really cool. It's amazing. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, think about it. If I'm, if I'm looking back now, I mean, there's not a lot of cars in the IMSA series that have really stuck in my memory. <laughs> Absolutely not. Seriously. No. It's, yeah, it's I, really the only car that I'm like, yep, I, that's, that's the FAF car. Like yeah. every time. <laughs> it's like, it's an easy, it's a great marketing decision <laughs> to say the least. And, and that actually leads me to my next question is your background is, is in marketing, right? Did you go to school for marketing or is this, you've just grown organically? How, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So my, my first, uh, I went to like a, through business, I went to school for business. Um, and then I actually had a co-op placement in the marketing department at FAF. That's how I kind of got into marketing. And I always felt it was not natural for me, but I always felt like I, way I viewed problem solving and the way I viewed business was always through a marketing lens. I think you have two very different types of business minds. You have like the marketing driven business minds, and then you have the dollars and cents driven minds. Um, I probably fall somewhere in the middle, but a little bit leaning more towards the marketing side of things. I, uh, I guess it comes from having people around me that support me from a business standpoint, but I always thought FAF was cool because they weren't afraid to try a new idea. And, and frankly, they weren't afraid to fail. For all we know, that the plot idea could have been a total failure. It could have been the ugliest car that anyone's ever seen in IMSA and completely forgettable, right? There is that risk. When you, when you do something that nobody's done, you do have that risk of failure. Um, and I always felt that Tiap, who's our creative director and our marketing director, staff like they've always at least instilled the confidence in myself and and frankly we all do it to each other to just have a new idea just see it through flush it out try it and if it fails well at least you tried it i I hope that doesn't come across there again it's just one of those things if you don't try it and you don't have the confidence to go out there and you know and, and take a shot in the dark and obviously a calculated shot in the dark you don't see the the Plaid was one example. I think uh, as we look ahead to next year, it'll be Plaid still, but Plaid Ooh, insider information. Plaid we know what next year's so car is going to look maybe, like. Uh, <laughs> angry Plaid. <laughs> angry Plaid. Yeah, okay. It'll, it'll, it'll look similar, but <laughs> okay. angry Plaid. Sure. Yeah. Fair enough. Angry Beaver holding Canadian flags. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Riding a goose, just saying. There's a sticker somewhere here in my condo. Yeah. He has something... Uh, not not advice in his mouth. So <laughs> exactly. I want to show that. How, and and I, I this may have been before you went, but how did they choose to to go with Porsche of all the cars that you guys could race? Why why Porsche? Uh, so fast been selling Porsches for almost sixty years. Yeah, I figured that was it, but <laughs> one of the first. Yeah, you said McLaren yeah, earlier. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's not that. I mean, well, we sell many brands. Yeah. So. Uh, the company started, you know, selling Volkswagens in Canada and then Volkswagen and Porsche, Audi. So those were kind of the three brands that you're from the Toronto area. FAF is most known for is, it's, you know, Volkswagen, Audi, Porsche. And then as time went on, we grew to, to other brands like BMW, Mercedes, Toyota, McLaren, array of, of different brands over time, over the company's existence. But, um, you know, Porsche was always, blunt it's a, a dollars and cents standpoint that can the marketing expense of of auto racing uh, but then there's also the passionate 
customers that drive these cars. Uh, a lot of times, if you go to a IMSA race, cars you see parked in the paddock are not just Porsches, but there's quite a few Porsches there. But you'll also see Lamborghinis and Ferraris. And Porsche is kind of that perfect brand where I've always felt, and you know, I'm not trying to think bad about other brands, but I've always thought Porsche was such an incredible brand that you can buy a Porsche, you could drive it to dinner, you could drive it to the racetrack, you could drive it anywhere, and you never come across as you're not going somewhere and the doors go off. Yeah. Right? Like it kind of gives a bit of a, okay, we saw you, pal. Uh, right? The like, term is pretentious peckerhead, but yeah, uh, I'll say it. Yeah, yeah. I'll let you, I'll let you say <laughs> sure, it. Sure, no you. problem. Yeah. Um, you know, I have enough friends that have doors that go and, up. They'll get it. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're so, going to hate mail from that. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. They love yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you said it. Uh, exactly. Not oh, you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I've always felt that Porsche was kind of that like understated supercar uh, or, you know, I'm sorry, hypercars, but supercars. And I love the, that sense. And yeah, it has a great rank and a very obviously historic um, involvement in motorsport. And yeah, I think they, they treat us extremely well. Customer racing backbone is is uh, to none in in this space. And if we have a problem, we have an answer. Or and if they don't have the answer, they get back to you in a day or two once they well, majority of the reason why that we're we're so loyal to them because now we're uh, we've won a lot of championships together, and a lot of races, but they also they treat us extremely well, and I think we do the job for them on track. So it's been a it's been an amazing partnership. We have we've we have some friends that have the club sport cars and things like that, and, and they always speak very highly of, of the way Porsche treats them, and and what a wonderful experience it is to own one of those cars and then be able to take it out on the track. So. Yeah. yeah. I ask everybody, if you're going to pick one, and I've said it many times, you pick a Porsche. If you're like, I only get one car and it's going to be the, you're just, you're going to end up with a Turbo S or a Carrera 4 GTS. Slap some snow tires here. on it. Yeah, you exactly. can actually drive because it in Canada too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's like, if you're ever familiar with drag racing, it's like the Fox body Mustang. It's like, we'll all be long dead and they'll still be drag racing. Fox body <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And road racing. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, it's we'll all be long dead and there'll still be Porsche cup cars running around as there should. Yeah. Yeah. I have a tougher question for you. What has been like the biggest punch in the sure. gut punch in the gut learning lesson you've had doing this? Cause I know racing's hard no matter what you're doing <laughs> in it. Being accountable to my budgets. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, yeah. There's been some sweaty, sweaty meetings over the years. <laughs> That, uh, I think there's some of those going on at Red Bull right now. So <laughs> from, from FIA, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's tough because you have to really balance competitor and wanting to win, and but also knowing money doesn't equal success. And I think the karting world there's no shortage of multimillionaire fathers spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on their kids go karting that doesn't guarantee success it's really knowing what to spend money on what not to spend money on where you can maybe frugal than others um, but when push comes to shove if you're one race left in the year you didn't budget for a part you need and it's twenty thousand dollars you spent all this money already it's like okay well we're not just going to throw away a whole season of work because of that right and then and knowing a month later I'm going to have to answer to that is uh, that's, been, <laughs> that's the hardest part of, uh, of my job because it's uh, um, it's not my money. Sure. So it, uh, I have to be I have to be accountable to, to every dollar that's spent. And that's 
um, taking some lumps along the way, as I'm sure Mr. Faff will attest. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been it's uh, that's been the hardest part for sure, and and obviously getting to the other side of it is is the people and knowing what makes people tick is another thing that I've had to. Uh, you've lost some people along the way, or you know maybe they've quit because something that I could have prevented had I seen it. So, but that just comes with experience. So I try not to beat myself up too much about that, but you, uh, as time goes on, you look back and you think, okay, well, if I did that different, maybe this would happen or vice versa. So yeah, those are the two big ones for me. And you guys only have about like, what about two months off, two and a half months off before you got to be back down in Daytona in January, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not much of an off season. No, no that's for sure. absolutely not. Uh, it's, but it's okay. I mean, the season, the cadence of it is is not so bad. I mean, we're on track January. It's like there's like one race every three weeks, let's say, over the course of the year. So it's not not crazy like NASCAR where you're every weekend. It's got a nice cadence, so you could still have a great. Be able to see your loved ones at home. That's yeah. important. Actually, yeah. I was going to ask you, you said she was very supportive. Does your wife travel with you to the races? Is she a big fan too? Or is she removed? Some of them are. Uh, sometimes. No, no. Well, I met her at FAF. So I oh. met her uh, a receptionist at FAF Porsche. <laughs> so I was uh, the guy with the race car. Just parking the race car. And, uh, <laughs> beautiful brunette with blue eyes. Yeah. So, um, and yes, so we uh, uh, started talking to her. And, and yeah, we uh, one thing led to another. And she still works for FAF, actually. She runs the, uh, the Volkswagen sales department. So there and uh yeah she she comes to races she had a bit of a background you know in, in the horse equestrian world so she she gets terms like paddock she knows all <laughs> paddock it's the same word and she has she loves coming to draw all these parallels between you know the one horsepower world and the and our horsepower world so she uh yeah she's very supportive she was actually in atlanta when we won uh the championship this year and and last year so her first uh her first race worked was actually the 24 hours of Daytona in 2019. So that was the super rainy year that uh, um, haven't got her to work a race since. <laughs> weird. Was, uh, <laughs> With uh, race conditions uh, like yeah, that? Weird I mean, how that works. Yeah. yeah. Florida rain in yeah, January? That nice. sounds lovely. <laughs> I know. No, she's, a, she's a total sweetheart. And uh, yeah, when, uh, she puts up with a lot. We have a dog too. So. <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm away, that dog is 110% her problem. It's, uh, <laughs> Very high energy Australian chef. <laughs> uh, pretty wired when I'm not around. <laughs> and then you come home and she's got two problems. Got yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sure. Fair enough. No, Fair that's enough. great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, what are, you, what are you looking forward to most next season? I know obviously there's some things you can't talk about in the racing world because the season isn't happening yet. But being so close, uh, what's the what's the big excitement uh, brewing right now that you can say? Uh, I mean, a big excitement. We've got the uh, the new. Porsche 911, uh, so it's based off the 992 chassis. So we have the uh, chance to debut that car on North American soil in uh, early December at Daytona. We're doing a test with performance test with IMSA, so that uh, that's coming up here before too long. And then, yeah, I mean, getting new cast of drivers might not all be new. They're on our driver lineup for next year. Dun, but, dun, uh, dun. Yeah, uh, yeah, the drivers are suddenly listening yeah. and sweating. I wait, what? Like, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't call yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I mean, we got a, a new-ish cast of drivers, which will be fun to work with. And um, a lot of 
when you have a brand new car, there's so much to learn and just kind of doing a deep dive into, into that and, and finding the performance and managing performance over the course of the season is something I have a lot of excitement for. And uh, we get the chance to, to race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway this year, which should be uh, very exciting for me as a, as a fan of the sport, getting to, to race IMS is going to be really cool. And uh, yeah, it's 11th race added to the calendar, which is uh be fun to, to manage but <laughs> one more race yeah, one more race yeah uh, <laughs> it'll be cool to to get to hopefully try to get a win there and um and and this may be going into territory but how how soon do you get that card you guys are you guys already working with that or is that something that that comes at a certain time when everybody gets their cars kind of thing well, I got the invoice today. Ah, oh, well, that's why, yeah. yes. <laughs> that's why you're sweating. Okay, got it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so th- that means it's, uh, it's done its production. So we'll be, uh, it's booked on a flight uh, November 15th to, to Toronto. Nice. In November and have a couple weeks to wrap our heads around it and get it prepped for, for the test in Daytona. We'll uh, make sure it's wearing its new livery when we go there so that we could, uh, Marketing folks love that. Yes. <laughs> Classic photos. And when, when Daytona is empty, it's great because you can get anywhere with the camera. Because on a race weekend, there's campers everywhere in motorhomes. So you miss a lot of photo opportunities if you haven't made friends with uh, someone with a motorhome, which typically involves a, a case of uh, Miller Highlight or something. That, I'm starting to understand Carl a lot more now. I know. I was just like the, the places he sneaks and the pl- and the things he gets done. So yeah, for that perfect photo. Of, I would have thought like a Canadian beer, though. I'm just saying, right? I mean, <laughs> Molson. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. Don't you know, some coconut? Yeah. Don't send me down that road. Yeah. <laughs> we will get letters. <laughs> we will get letters. We're not sponsored by Rainier anymore. We're nope. good. I know. I'm just saying, I mean, just, then the accents come out and then it just, it just turns into a weird, all of a sudden you think you're doing Canadian, it's Jamaican. People wonder what the heck you're doing. So <laughs> that's how fast that transition happens. Then you're in trouble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we love our Canadians. Absolutely. Yeah. What are you driving? Uh, Driving a uh, Volkswagen GTI. Ooh, Perfect. Nice car. Yeah. Great uh, car. He knows somebody I on have, the sales uh, team at Volkswagen. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I keep bugging her to go to BMW. Well, actually, fun fact, when she was at BMW, I had an M2. Oh, okay. Ooh, Fair enough. Um, when she moved, so when she moved to Volkswagen, I got a GTI. Okay. Yeah, I try to support whatever she's selling if I can. Unless she goes somewhere I don't really like the cars, and then I'll try to find an excuse to wiggle my way out of it. But yeah. <laughs> What do you guys drive? Uh, my daily is a Subaru Wilderness. Yeah, and I have a, a Raptor currently. I'm waiting. I uh, actually got the bid back from my shop. I'm getting started to pour concrete in there. Oh, so that's just in, get, in the truck. That's going to heavy. It's going to make it no, heavy. Yeah. No, then no, then it'll be shopping for a proper sp- supercar. Bought uh, a new house last year and no gravel, no no shop floor and no it's all gravel. So we were like, well, let's wait on the car till we can actually park it on not yeah, dirt. So <laughs> fair enough. Fair. Have you jumped the Raptor yet? Yes. <laughs> yes, I have. Yes. He has. Right. Multiple times in the same day. Yes, he has. <laughs> he has. We, uh, we, were up in, we were up doing, uh, we accidentally one weekend, Dan and I, as much as we do this, don't ever have a lot of chance to hang out together because we're so busy. And we have like our, our day-to-day jobs, and then we, this is our fun job. And uh, we, were, we accidentally did the, 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 the second section of the Wabder. That Washington Backcountry Discovery Road. Off-road, yeah. And it was so dusty. And all of a sudden, I'm going, I'm driving behind him, and like, there's no dust. And I'm like, 
did I miss a turn or something? And I get on the radio and he's like, oh, sorry, I put it in Baja mode and I've been kind of uh, hauling. <laughs> I was like, and then this like, like small child giggle came over the radio. I was like, okay, cool. So I just want to make sure I'm on, cause I'm not, I don't have the suspension travel in, in the wilderness like he does. So I was taking it a little bit, you know, a little nicer, but yeah. You know, I may need to rebuild the rear shocks now, but yes, ah, yes, well. it's, all my vehicles get used heavily. It's uh, I, I don't Can buy anything. Can you get Ford to, to do that? I mean, it seems like a Ford thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it is a yeah. Ford thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I, I pulled the Raptor out when I had my Tacoma. By the way, I had a oh. TRD off-road Tacoma that I had to pull the Raptor out. So it happens. Just because <laughs> you have the money somewhere. to buy something doesn't mean you know how to drive it. Well, yes. I think we, we've, we've, and I have been that person in the ditch going. Oh, we all have. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how you learn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been that person too. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. How'd you get there? I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Depends where I am at this time. So yeah. Yeah. I've been lucky in the Raptor, but the previous vehicles have all had some adventures. Yeah. 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 So I'm looking forward to it. That already started snowing up here. So have you guys got snow up there yet? No, uh, sort of. One morning I was walking my dog and it was a couple of snowflakes, but I wouldn't call it. It'll probably hit about November 14th, so that car will show up the next day. You <laughs> know. So, <laughs> that's the way. Be nice. Push it in the snow. Yeah. yeah. Hey, if you can, dri- you can drive that car now, in the though. snow, you can drive it anywhere. <laughs> that would be so, really cool, yeah. actually. Yeah. That'd make for a great marketing photo. Just roll it out in the snow when there's nobody around, like get like a 2 a.m. slot, you know, and just get out there in the dark. Oh, that'd be pretty with that red popping and like white. Fresh powder. Yeah. So, Speaking of that, so with the, the, this year's car that you won with, I mean, I'm assuming it's it's going to be displayed somewhere, or does it get retired? How what happens with that? Um, I, I would figure it would be in the Porsche dealership, actually. sitting there with a big sign saying, "Guess what we did?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we actually, uh, um, so the car has actually been painted. Oh, it was part of a project that we're uh, unveiling at the SEMA show uh, with one of our partners. So it's. Uh, um, Glasserit, which is uh, BASF. The entire race car. So every single plaid square, every line. That's not a wrap? The driver flags. No. Well, it, it was all season, but now it's painted. Oh, oh okay. I was um, like. One of our way to kind of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like you wreck a car. It, it was wrapped. A lot of painting. Me. Especially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, no, it's uh, we wouldn't make uh, any friends. So it was a cool way for our body shop to show off the, uh, uh, you know, the talent of, of the painters and, and their staff. And yeah, it's it's impressive how much effort they put into this and just as a way to kind of freeze, you know, freeze the car in time and delivery and just kind of make it a bit more permanent than a wrap. Uh, so that would be uh, something we're going to show at SEMA here uh, next week, which is very exciting. And then when it comes back, we'll. Uh, I refuse to let it collect dust, so I'm going to bug uh, Mr. Faff to next summer and I'm trying to twist his arm to do Ren Sport with the car and and check off some bucket list tracks because uh, I think he'll enjoy driving it. It's it's a fairly easy ish car to drive, I think. So. Um, I wouldn't know, but maybe I could find out. I was going to say, go. it sounds yeah. like so. something that with some work could be converted <laughs> to a attack. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just, there you go. Yeah, I, I won't let that car sit. Yeah, I won't let that car sit. It's not going to get uh, put on a shelf anywhere. I want it to. Uh, I want it to get used. I want people to, you know, to celebrate the call it a career or the amazing provenance that car is established for itself. And then 
yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, I'm sure it'll be around at various car events and whatever we can, whatever we can get it to do, it'll be, uh, it'll be there and we're going to straight pipe it so that we don't have to have the quiet exhaust. It has to, it has to scream. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's the only awesome. thing that won't be legit. I always love that There's when no you, know, you see a race car out there and somebody's either privately driving it or something, or it's a special event. And they're like, yeah, that car won this many years ago, but it's still out there driving. Like mm-hmm. it's fun to go into a dealership and see a car and be able to get close to a car, but seeing it on the track is interesting. So, um, I, I was going to ask you where, do you know what booth it's going to be at at SEMA for people that we know somebody that's going to be there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be uh, exact booth. It'll be in the glossaret. The glossaret. Okay, I, that's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. Like I said, you know. So if if you're listening to this and you happen to be going to see me, which I really wish I was, yeah, a lot of people um, are. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. I mean, I can't wait to see that. So, um, be cool. Boy, I can't it's even incredible. imagine the amount of the difference tape. it makes. Is yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the tape lines and just I mean, <laughs> painting. Pla- we just want it painted plaid. No big deal. But can that be done tomorrow? <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. like they did the like, the amount of attention to detail. Like even the Australian flag, like every star, every little detail has been painted. It's it's impressive. I have to say, I'm uh, when we originally kind of came up with the idea, I was like, okay, like it sounds cool. Like in theory, who's going to pay for it? it? Was always my first thing. <laughs> That's not my that budget, right? Quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someone else is paying. For yeah. It. And then, and then my other thing was like, oh, how's it going to get to SEMA? Because there's that problem. That's also seven hours or 28 hours of driving away. So that was that problem. But uh, all of which were, all my questions were answered. So I'm like, all right, good luck. <laughs> we had some fun picking uh, picking the red and the silver because now we had to t- convert wrap colors into real life colors. So I picked, uh, I mean, the, the red is guards red and the silver there is you go. silver yeah. on the car and it looks it looks spectacular. So it's booth two zero three six five in the central hall. Perfect. Imagine that they picked Porsche colors. That's so weird. My nine forty four. Yeah, my fours were guards red. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I had the original nine forty four repainted guards red. It's the oh. best color. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, very cool. After very I cool. smashed it into a sign because I was sixteen. The best red. <laughs> I can't take you anywhere. No. <laughs> You know, yeah. that's probably accidents like that are probably why you don't remember it's your birthday. Probably. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. We walked away. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Steve, I really appreciate you taking time and, uh, you know, uh, after I know life has been busy lately and we, yeah. we've been trying to track you down and Carl has been so excited about this and I, I think he actually wanted to be here to listen, but I think he's, he's flying somewhere. He's yeah. flying to England right now. So, yeah. um, you know, they'll understand him over there better. It's fine. Uh, he's probably already drunk on the plane. <laughs> yeah, true. Actually, he probably is. I mean, you know, getting drunk on a plane. That's a good country song. I know. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Heard that before. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. So. Well, I appreciate you guys. Uh, I appreciate you guys taking the time to have me on. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a privilege and a pleasure. And it was great to work with Carl. And he did, uh, did a great job embedding himself in the team and kind of learning the ways uh, of our program. He's sneaky like that. Yeah. He's probably still there. So you better check some closets, you know, cause you know, he's good like that. So <laughs> Just playing yeah, with the car. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Avance members, if you are a member, you will be getting the Avance magazine soon and you'll see this article, which is a really good one. The photos are fantastic. So thank you, Carl, for not being drunk the whole time. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but we really he's look- retired. He's, he's welcome to do that. I know, that's true. So, yeah. I'm just kidding. Carl's yeah. amazing. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to your next season, seeing what's coming up next with the 992. And uh, make sure to check out that car for our people going to SEMA. And we will post a bunch of photos for this episode. So if you go to the slash podcast link and check out this episode, you can see the beautiful photos 
some of them probably not ahead of the it magazine. I don't think yeah, they'll let me post those. We're gonna have to yeah. We'll get some good ones in we'll there. We'll find something. Yeah. So yeah. Well, for this episode of the Avance Podcast, as always, I'm Nick. And I'm Dan. Thanks again, Steve. And don't just get there. Enjoy the drive. <laughs>